This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. It's simply not the case. They're, they're men who are incredibly weak and, and, and don't have a backbone. And she's, she's trying to convince them that, that they're the hero of the situation when you know, she's pulling the strings all the time. Welcome back to Motive and Method. I'm Tim Watson-Munro. And I'm Dr Xanthi Mallet. On last week's episode, we talked to Derek Pedley, a crime writer who has extensive knowledge of the Michelle Burgess case, a woman who organised the murder of her lover's wife. Women like Michelle Burgess are known as black widows, a term that refers back to the spiders who capture prey in their web before biting them and ultimately killing them. And in today's episode, we'll be deep diving on the psychology of what black widows are and how they tick. Now, do you think there's a difference between male and female psychopaths? Because I think black widows are clearly psychopaths, but I've known you a long time. I don't think we've ever disagreed on anything to do with crime, criminology, or psychology. Are we about to? You you said we have a hive brain, but I think we might today. Because when we talk about the differences between male and female psychopaths, you think they're different. And I tend to think they're the same. Yeah, well, I certainly think that male and female psychopaths have a number of traits in common for sure. And ultimately, black widows are the epitome of the psychopath, aren't they? They take it, the female psychopath, they take it to the nth degree. But I I also think there are differences in some of the cases I've looked at. Some of the things that I think female psychopaths, some of them will do, you wouldn't see traits, those traits reflected in males. For example. Okay, so if we're going to break down female psychopaths, I would say absolutely they, like their male counterparts, they lack empathy, they lack sympathy, they lack remorse, it's total self-interest. Narcissism is often comorbid, as we would say, is a personality, is an antisocial personality trait along with the psychopathy. But I also think that female black widows can play the victim card in a way that you don't see with male psychopaths, that they can use what they would perceive as weakness to get other people to feel sorry for them. For example, some female psychopaths will use self-harm as a way of engendering other people feeling sympathy for them. So it's not really an emotional outlet as it is with with others who commit self-harm, but it's actually to gain a response from other people. They may claim to be suicidal, not because they genuinely are, but because they want other people to feel sorry for them because that gives them power. So it is about power and control, just like with the males, but they use in some ways those susceptibilities that I haven't seen reflected in male psychopaths. No, I take your point. I'd say this though, that men are equally capable of playing the victim. There was a very good book written last year or two, uh, See What You Made Me Do. And it was all about why men blame women for their domestic violence, yep. control yep. and murder. I think we're agreed on this. Unequivocally, all psychopaths, whatever their gender may be, lack remorse, lack empathy. They're driven by their own self-need at whatever expense that may be with the victim. I think that's true. I think if there is a difference, it's the methodology that they use, particularly yes. black widows, 
who will use sex as a weapon. They'll groom these men, typically inadequate men, maybe sexually inadequate, not inadequate in other aspects of their life. And as we'll see in the Burgess case, uh, Michelle Burgess used her sexuality to great effect. It's almost a symbiotic relationship in these situations. So there may be subtle differences in terms of the methodology about how they control and manipulate and use their power on others. I guess the other difference with black widows is that they use men to kill other people. It can be other women who may be seen as a threat. It can be for profit. Generally, I think it's for power. It may be for sexual enhancement. I've had a few cases where black widows have inveigled men to kill others and they've had sex nearby the cadaver. Shocking as that sounds. So there are subtle differences there. I think there are some more subtle differences too in terms of socially how they present. For example, everyone out there will have friends in the, of their friendship group or have had friends, female friends, who enjoy causing trouble. They're the backstabbers, the gossipers. They'll be the ones who are playing around, you know, with other people's boyfriends, not because there's a genuine connection, but because it's a way of causing trouble. So that's kind of obviously much more low-level stuff than the Black Widows. It's personality disorder But it's stuff. a person, yeah. And I think these women are the ones in your social group who are the troublemakers, and they're doing it because they enjoy it. They enjoy seeing other people distressed or they like the drama they're the, they're causing that drama behind the scenes and i haven't seen that so much with the low level male psychopaths that you clearly can identify once you know the traits to look for that to me seems a much more female presentation of psychopathy i think that's fair comment until you walk into a male prison <laughs> and uh, you know my first job was in Parramatta jail a long time ago and because there's no women prisoners those social dynamics come to play. And so you can have a hierarchy, you can have troublemaking crooks that are trying to disrupt the group. Uh, they may create problems so that a prisoner will murder another prisoner. So those personality voids, because there are missing elements of that social structure, are filled in. Yes. Troublemakers in jail. And uh, they will manipulate others to do their bidding, whether it's sexual favours, whether it's killing someone else in the prison. I mean, that's simplistic. There are other dynamics in play, but certainly the interactions that you've described, I think, can occur in certain male populations. But I take your point in a broader sense. They're the people who create trouble in groups, starting in primary school. You can see it with little infants and in high school, clicky social groups and so on. What intrigues me is what is it then that causes these troublemaking adolescents to then become black widows, to, to go that next step where they are prepared to have people killed simply for needs of power and um, gratification. So are we back then to the debate about nature-nurture? Because, you know, you can talk about lots of different elements of people's personalities, behavioural representations, expressions. So are psychopaths born or are they made by circumstance, bad childhood experience? I think it's both. I tend to think it's more nature than nurture, but nurture can make a difference. And there's been some interesting studies over the years with identical twins, so they're genetically identical, who may be separated at birth through adoption and so on. One child goes to an affluent home, the other goes to a less fortunate home. They both end up in jail. So, you know, nurture in that sort of situation may not make such of a difference, but 
I've seen other examples where people are changed in a positive way by being in a positive environment. And, of course, in terms of criminal psychology, working with offenders, we do so in the hope that nurture can make a difference to these people and whatever bad nature they may have inherited can be overcome through a positive environment and social learning and so on. A big ask. I, I see you wincing. but you <laughs> Wincing know. because I'm thinking about the psychopaths who ultimately go on to commit violent crimes or, you know, crimes like fraud, like high-level fraud where, you know, they're defrauding companies or friends and family for, you know, millions of dollars. I'm not convinced those people can really be rehabilitated. I don't think... I don't think you can teach somebody to feel empathy. I think psychopaths can be very good at feigning, feigning empathy. empathy. They're great actors. Mirroring other people's emotions, learning how to mimic them. Great. They're great actors. They're great chameleons. However, I don't think you can genuinely teach somebody empathy if they don't have it. Empathy comes from insight and remorse. And thousands of psychopaths I've examined over the years lack both. They have no empathy, no insight, and they have no remorse. So I'm not suggesting that you can inject them with empathy and insight and remorse. I think some treatment can teach them, if they're motivated, if they're motivated, to develop skills to overcome those sort of drives that they have to commit dastardly crimes. And that's the key, isn't it? The motivation. So I don't know whether you all agree or not, but my sense is people who are up there on the psychopathy scale, so obviously it's a continuum, but if they're at the top, they're not motivated to change, to try and develop these genuine emotions and connections because they're happy with the way they are. They don't care because they're getting what they need. So where is the motivation for somebody who is totally independent emotionally? They don't need those connections with other humans. I think that's a good point. And there was a study a long time ago, I think it was Cleckley who looked at psychopaths and sociopaths. They used to interchange the terms. And the one variable that could make a difference was the hip pocket nerve. Yeah. They're motivated by Ka-ching. money. Ka-ching. And a lot of these criminals that don't kill but rob banks and do all sorts of drug deals, obviously it's always about the money, easy money, and then what the money can buy for them in terms of status. And does that mean that they're fundamentally inadequate? They need all these consumer durables to feel good about themselves. Interesting point. So let's look at the role of victimhood a bit more deeply because I'm particularly interested in that when it comes to black widows because I think they they do use their sexuality in a way that male psychopaths don't. I know that they both use sex as a weapon, but they do it in different ways, don't they? And I think they use victimhood in different ways too. But certainly I take your point that male psychopaths can use victimhood as a, as a defence mechanism, I think, a lot of the times. So I'm thinking ultimately Trump. You know, whenever mm. Trump was accused of something, and he was clearly obviously a narcissist as well, but he comes out like, all guns blazing, I say, I'm being victimised, I'm being put, you know, picked on. This is all... This fake is news. All, fake news, you know, and he used that victim status... As, as a weapon, in essence. And as a means of sort of um, confusing the audience, you know, mudding the waters. And there's always vulnerable people who will believe this sort of bullshit. But know. I don't think he used it as some female psychopaths do to engender people to feel sorry for him. I don't think that's what he wanted. I think it was more like a battle cry. 
and I think that's the kind of difference. So they they take on the victimization, saying, you know, I'm being picked on, I'm the victim here. But then it's a call to arms or an, like a weapon for a male, whereas a female is more protect me. They're kind of trying to get other people to feel sorry for them. I think that's true. I think there's always exceptions of to course, the rules. Of and, course. you know, there are men who will use, they will feign psychological vulnerability to get their foot in the door and then they start grooming the victim and so on and so forth. But um, the common ingredient, no empathy, no remorse and no real insight. And when I say insight, I mean to have insight, you have to have an emotional connection with what you're doing. And the point you raise validly is that these people don't really have emotions. I mean, going back to Burgess, an innocent, loving, devoted mother and wife, three children, Burgess couldn't care less about that, or the children, the survivors of this sort of crime. And, you know, the feeble, weak husband who sent his kids in Unbelievable. to find their mother's cadaver, knowing that she'd be murdered, tied up in a chair and stabbed in a frenzy by the look of it. Yeah. So we've talked about the fact that money is a motivator a lot of the time. If it's not a violent crime, money is the motivator. That's where you can see the links with these individuals. But what would you say the goal is? If we were going to try and summarise it for all psychopaths, what, what, is, what is the purpose of what they do? Self-engrandisement, feeling powerful, having others in a one-down position. They enjoy that. Look at boardroom psychopaths. The power players you see, which I see, I'm often retained by companies to look at these power players within boardrooms where an individual who's been very successful, a new board member comes into the team and the successful executive is targeted white-handed, diminished, humiliated. And in a lot of these cases, for no other reason, I think, than just power and feeling threatened by the successful uh, person that they're trying to destroy. And we would call these, certainly in criminology, I'm not sure whether you'd use the term in psychology, but we would call them successful psychopaths in that they are working as, you know, CEOs of businesses or, you know, they're leading banks or they're pilots or they're academics in some, you know, I certainly know a few that I can think of, you know, in my own field, they could be police at high level. So these are people who are in powerful, influential positions that you would look at them from the outside and say that they've been successful. And they've used their skills, their psychopathy to get to the top, treading over the cadavers of others to get to the top. So if you interact with these individuals, even if they are non-violent, which the vast majority of are, I mean, you say psychopaths to most people and they think of the Ivan Malats of the world, the violent predatory psychopaths, but we know that the vast majority of psychopaths and somewhere between 1% and 5% of the population has psychopathic traits, is what the current research suggests. So what's it like interacting with these people in a non-criminal sense if you end up working for one? I guess with me, you know, with a lot of experience, I, I can pick up on it immediately. You yeah. have an, an antenna mm -hmm. that picks up on the vibe, uh, sort of transference and counter-transference if you want to use Freudian terms, but you know. But I think for other people, they're bewildered because they're honest actors and they don't expect this sort of behaviour. And when they encounter it, they lack the skills to deal with it. There's this huge dissonance. And then, of course, they're uh, gaslit, 
No, I didn't say that. I'm not trying to undermine you. You're doing a great job. All that sort of nonsense that goes on. And I think for these people, the honest actors, it can be overwhelming and psychologically very destabilising for them. And they're drawn, the, the psychopaths, the, what we would call successful psychopaths, they're drawn to positions of power, aren't they? So they will want to be working in industries in positions that give them power over other people. Dare I say politics. Oh, oh yeah. People are always <laughs> asking me to name politicians, I think, as psychopaths. No, I won't do it, but no. a, few, a few spring to mind in immediate times. Yes, and, yes. And... Uh, you know, same dynamic, treading over others, backstabbing others, power for power's sake, and then not necessarily knowing what to do with the ball when it's been passed to them because the goal has been to get to the top, but they don't know how to action all that power. Yep. And the vast majority, as I said, do not have violent tendencies. So we do have them spattered amongst, you know, our professional lives. It's, I can think of a few at work. You know, I work with lots of police as well and, you know, lawyers. All of these professions have their fair, or probably increased share, actually, of psychopaths. Well, it's a 5% spread across the population. Maybe some occupations draw psychopaths more than others. Politics springs to mind. Um, Media? Professions that involve power and uh, utilising power. I can think of some media moguls that might fit the uh, the bill. Yeah, or people who abuse their role in the media to um, persecute others. And obviously in other episodes we were talking about institutional child sexual abuse. Again, those who are drawn into these institutions or other mechanisms for accessing children, same thing. It's all about power, control over vulnerable victims. It's all the same personality traits played out over different dynamics with different victims. And in the case of child sex abuse, it's sexual gratification too. But the gratification is not through intimacy, it's through power and control and humiliation. And they get very excited by all of that. I've examined a lot of these offenders too, so I know what drives them. And I'm interested in the, about the role of sexuality in this space, because I think male and female psychopaths use sex differently. What would you say? The female psychopaths, and I've examined I think one or two black widows over the years, they use their sexuality to seduce the vulnerable male. And I use vulnerable in the most sort of broad sense. They really are pathetic, vulnerable men. And they make them feel good about their own sexuality. So in the Burgess case, for example, uh, part of the narrative is that she seduced the husband of the wife that was killed in his office. They had sex on the office table. He apparently found this highly exciting and enlivening. And once they're kind of in that dynamic, the manipulation starts. So they use sex to control. I think sex with male psychopaths, it's more about power and su subordination and dominance. That's really what it's about. So rape, for example. Part of the sexual gratification is, again, the fusing of power and sex drive. They can't have normal sexual relationships. It has to be infused with this humiliation and dominance that we've discussed. And I'm just thinking now to some of the discussions <clears throat> we've also had around coercive control and ultimately when that leads to domestic homicide. Do you think like some of these, largely men, some of these men who are committing these violent acts and ultimately that comes down to power and control, dominance, doesn't it as well? So it does. Are, are we saying the same 
issues here that we're seeing with psychopaths who go on to harm others. Are we seeing the same problems with power and control across a broader spectrum of offenders who aren't necessarily on the psychopathic scale? Or are some of those men, do they show some traits, exhibit traits of psychopathy as well? I think they do. As you say, there's a a sort of hierarchy. There's a big difference in terms of the consequences of their psychopathic behaviour between murder on the one hand and boardroom manipulation or manipulation in the in the lunchroom on the other. But the dynamics are the same. It's all about controlling others, making an empire in your little area, how, however big that empire may be, and liking to control people. So whether it's controlling people in the bedroom, female psychopaths, you know, black widows do that, controlling women in the bedroom through power, dominance and humiliation, male psychopaths do that or some of them do or whether it's other things that don't involve sex at all, but just power, having people in a one-down position and getting a sense of empowerment by the humiliation and degradation of others. And we talk a lot about male psychopaths and who they target and how they manipulate people. So what are your thoughts on female psychopaths? And I'm specifically thinking black widows here. What kind of men, is there a type of man that they target to groom because I do think they groom them and control to coerce them into whatever you know that particular individual wants from them. I think that a lot of these men are inadequate men. They may be legends in their own lunchtime but fundamentally they are inadequate so they're very responsive to love bombing, exciting sex. Burgess had sex with Matthews the husband in car parks exotic locations, probably not the normal sort of menu or repertoire that he was used to, and they feel empowered by it. They they think they're sort of Tarzan, you know, and um, that's how they use it. They're inadequate. So So these women pick up on the fact that these men have something missing, self-identified as kind of feeling inadequate, feeling, you know, less than the, successful than they want to be. So they're filling that void for them and therefore making making them feel better about themselves and ultimately they can then be manipulated because they want to retain that thing that makes them feel better, which is Black Widow. Well, they're very skilled at it. It's not as though they leap into the first relationship and cause the male to kill someone else. You generally get a history, a pattern of this, dysfunctional relationships, meeting men, using them up or the male may end the relationship. There's all sorts of things in play. So by the time they come to the end of that spectrum, they're exceptionally skilled at picking up on the cues of vulnerability and plying their craft of sexuality. And so these guys, they're suckers, really. We talk about successful male psychopaths, the boardroom psychopaths that we mentioned. Do we see the same reflected in females? Do you think women who are sometimes exhibiting those same behavioural traits, do we see those women as successful in the same way that we see men? I think a lot of people are threatened by very successful women. I don't know what you think about that, but uh, when a highly successful woman stumbles, there's a pack mentality around it. What are your observations of that? Yeah, I think that's true. I think generally people still, even in the 21st century, are still struggling to accept that women can be in these positions of leadership and authority. And we do see them torn down. 
But I just I just wonder whether women who could be classed as successful psychopaths who who are exhibiting, and I'm not going to name any, I can think of a few across Australia in a number of industries. I just wonder whether we see them differently or we speak about them differently than we do the males, that they may be successful. We may all acknowledge that, but there's also more negativity around the conversations around them than we see with some of the successful males. I think that can happen. They'll be spoken about in pejorative terms. How did they get there? How did they manage what they're doing? Wait for them to fall over. You can't possibly have a woman in that job. I mean, look at the professions. It's changed now. It is changing. Because, you know, I can remember, you know, 20, 30 years ago, you rarely saw women studying law. I can remember when the first two women in Victoria were made QCs and um, one of them ended up on the Supreme Court bench, but they were seen as absolute trailblazers, unheard of, in the criminal law, two female QCs. They were both brilliant. They did extraordinarily good jobs. Of course they would. You know, it's across the board. All this stereotyping of what women are capable of and what they're not capable of, I I think it still exists. And I'm not for a moment suggesting that any, like those two QCs you mentioned, are psychopaths at all. Oh, far from it. They're very decent people, capable people. I'm going to ask you a controversial question, potentially. Do you think then that in some of these roles, especially for women who are trying to change the status quo and push the boundaries... Do you think then that there is a place for what we would call a successful psychopath, someone who is willing to to maybe do things that other people aren't, to change some of those stereotypes? Do you think they have in some ways a place in society to maybe push things in directions which can be positive? It's an interesting question. So what you're saying is, is it necessary for women to have these traits in order to push the cause forward? Yeah, and maybe some men in some circumstances. Do we, is psychopathy, successful psychopathy, something that is all bad or are there glimmers of good in there that, you know, for them as an individual, sure, it's all self-interest, but can they actually make pathways for other people through their self-interest? So is there a shining light of some positivity in having psychopathy in the population? Well, I think getting people to those positions is a good thing. It depends on the body count along the way and it depends on how they then dispense that power when they're at the top. And sometimes they use it for good, sometimes they use it for evil. Uh, so I don't know. I guess the question is would would people create that pathway that you're describing if it wasn't for this sort of lack of remorse and you know, winning at all costs type of mentality? Probably not. Because I tend to think, and I'll be interested to know your thoughts on this, because this is probably one of the few topics we've never actually discussed. I think that basically nature has led to the development of all of these diverse personality traits. And I think that basically we need them all in different mixtures in the population as a society to function and, and to move things forward. We need the risk takers... We need the people who are more risk adverse because we need every we need a mix of everything, I think, to make society function. Well, this will surprise you, but I agree with you. <laughs> no, I, I do because otherwise you've just got a homogenous society and a homogenous gene pool. And if you can't, you know, 
I think you need all those kind of aspects of humanity. I think we could do more on corralling psychopaths. We could do a lot more on recognising things in the classroom, in the playground to re-educate kids. Yep. And I'm not saying that it's just the psychopathic children if there is such a thing in the playground, but I've argued for many years we need to have a broader curriculum in schools. Beyond the three R's, we need to have social learning, social skills training, how to communicate with others in a respectful way and so on. And that's the time to start. The time not to start is when they're on the bus to Pentridge Jail or Long Bay Jail in Sydney because the horse is bolted. And, and then the issues you were describing about, you know, what can you do with them, I think are very valid because it's too late for a lot of people, not everybody. If we thought it was too late for everyone, then there shouldn't be psychologists, psychiatrists, social workers and all the rest of you it. You would be out of a job. Oh, I'd find a niche somewhere, <laughs> probably. But, yeah, it's true. You know, we, we go into this with, I think, an inherent belief in the goodness of people. I always have, even the worst. I mean, I've seen the worst of the worst. I've struggled to find good in a lot of them and I can't, but you don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. There are some people, I think, who can be treated and some people who can be reintegrated into the community and I've seen examples of that as well. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thank you for listening to Motive and Method. And remember, if you're enjoying the show, you can give us a five-star review, you can recommend us to your friends and family, or subscribe to the channel and feed. And you can also get an alert if you want to know when a new episode has been released. I'm Tim Watson-Munro. And I'm Dr Xanthi Mallett. <laughs>